Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to this episode of Kennedy Saves the World. And today I'm going to save you from the monotony of ordinary advice. If you have ever interfaced with Adam Carolla, uh, either on Loveline or his podcast, you know that he's brilliant. He has uh, his sixth book. It just came out. Everything reminds me of something. Advice, answers, but no apologies. And some wonderfully filthy language that upset past readers, uh, which is great. Adam, welcome to my podcast. I know you podcast every day and you're a multimillionaire because of it. Congratulations for being here. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Kennedy. <laughs> uh, I've been listening to the audio version of your book and it's very, very enjoyable. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm flattered that you uh, that you checked it out. Yeah. Most people don't read their own books, which I think is strange because, you know, when you write, obviously you're trying to replicate a different side of your voice, something that resonates with people because when you're reading the written word, it's very intimate. And I'm always surprised that people skip the process where they sit and read for their own book. Um, do you do that with all of your books? Um, I write them and then I kind of forget about them and then I kind of forget what was in them. And then at some point I read the audio book and then I get Re refamiliarize myself with what is in them, and then I forget about it again. No, it's great, and it's uh, this. So for people who I listen to books when I run, and so you know if, if mm -hmm. I'm running for a long time, this is great because it distracts me from heat and pain, which are two things running at the same time right now in New York City. But um, there are things that that I had forgotten about you that I became reacquainted with in your book, like. Uh, your encyclopedic knowledge of cars. And I forgot um, how much you love random things about cars. And so I, I came back and I was telling my team about the Landau roof because a lot of people who work on my show uh, are completely unfamiliar with the 70s. It is a, a theoretical era to them, obviously. And so they went on a deep dive and, and they have been uh, very blissful looking at something like that, which is so cheesy, and uh, also, you know, pave the way for Japanese domination. As you pointed out, I, I get from your book that you have a pretty healthy disdain for the 70s. Is that where we're at right now in terms of politics and the economy, or is it something completely different? Well, yeah, we're, we're kind of there, you know, with the economy. We're there with ecology, which is what we used to call the environmental movement. It was called ecology, and uh, I remember because my mom was into it, and it was a lot of Indians crying by the side of the road and doom and gloom. And, you know, back then, I think they were talking about the Ice Age. Now it's kind of morphed into global warming. 
it was a lot of discussion about the ozone being blocked out and not using a deodorant that was in a spray propellant can because oh, that CFCs. destroyed the ozone. Yeah, remember yeah, that CFCs? would destroy the ozone. Yeah, we kind of went from spray deodorant to straws and sea turtles. It, it's it's kind of something, but you know, lest anyone think this thing is ten minutes old, this stuff's been going on since the late sixties. That's really funny that that brings up so many memories because uh, I remember being in like second grade and these women coming and, and talking to our class and like, we have to save the whales as though it was the most urgent thing in the world. And I grew up in Oregon, like I grew up in Oregon around a bunch of hippies and they were annoying then. But I, I think now people are almost so tribal with their politics. Like before, you know, there was a sense that you pass the peace pipe and you try and convince people about what you love and why they should love it. And now it's like, oh, you voted Republican. You're literally dead to me. I'm never going to talk to you again. Yeah, it's a interesting time where I, I feel like They've had a hard time making the argument. So instead of making the argument for whatever the policy is, they've just sort of used ad hominem attacks. You know, every Republican is racist and they're homophobic. They're the one I always like is scared of people who look different than them, (laughs) which you'd have a hard time navigating Los Angeles in 2022 if you were frightened of people who look different than you. But that's what it's turned into. What is your favorite car you've ever had? Oh, I love a Lamborghini Miura SV. Wow. That is the most beautiful car ever. And you people listening can Google it. Make sure you put SV in there, probably like a 71 Lamborghini Miura SV. When, uh, how, how old were you? Where were you in your career where you could finally afford the car of your dreams? <laughs> well, that's a layered question, but uh, I got a Lamborghini Miura SV when I was probably 52 or something. So it, it, it took me a while and then I sold it. So, uh, you know, go ahead and sort that out in, in the therapist's office. You or me? I don't know if if I should be going to therapy about your car. I think it's pretty great. I think you should. And then report back to me. I'll save a ton of dough that way. Okay, great. Yeah. Therapy by proxy. That's healthy. Okay. So when I was just starting to drive, when I was 16, it took me three times to get my driver's license because I kept failing because no one would drive with me. I had my permit, but no one would drive with me. And so I became, you know, obsessed with, you know, a, a genuine lack of knowledge about cars, but I always try to think like, what is the perfect car? And, you know, both my parents were kind of like practical, not quite survivalists, but, you know, my mom always had like a bunch of junk around that, that she said was there in case of the apocalypse. So I was always trying to think like, what, Mm -hmm. what is the perfect car in terms of, you know, something that you can go off road that'll handle snow, something that's fast, something that, you know, rides low to the ground, and, you know, also has enough cubic footage that you could put, you know, bikes and gear and tents and dogs and everything in it. What is the perfect car? Like for me, it's, it's embarrassing, but I was like, it's the Subaru Outback, obviously. I've never owned one. I ended up getting a BMW 5 Series wagon that I really liked. And it was very fast and they don't make them anymore. Mm-hmm. They don't make a, a B8 mm-hmm. BMW wagon. But what to you is the perfect car with my teenage criteria? 
Well, you said low and fast and then holds a ton of chunk. Mm -hmm. Like you, you're really kind of, pardon the pun, all over the road <laughs> on this one because low and fast and holds a ton of junk aren't, aren't the same car. Uh, look, everything now is good. I, I don't want to sound like a cop out, but there's tons of American stuff that's good. There's tons of Japanese stuff that's good. There's tons of German stuff that's good. So it really just comes down to sort of personal preference and style. It's not really about reliability anymore. And, you know, it's funny, though, when you brought up Subaru, remember, Subarus were made with love. Remember that? That's, they used to be Talk, they used to talk about powertrain warranty and gas mileage and sticker price. Now it's Subarus are made with love, which I find interesting. But it speaks to the zeitgeist of where we're at. They don't talk about performance anymore. They don't talk about rust proofing. They just talk about being made with love. I think that's a problem, though, because I think um, people are so emotional and so irrational in general, and that is now accepted. Like it's really important to talk about feelings. And so it's more important to have mm -hmm. a, a car that associates with your feelings as opposed to one that, that drives fast and doesn't cost a lot of money. Um, and that's, you know, I know you talk a lot about imbalance, but your kids, would you rather have your kids as a parent? Would you rather have them know how to drive a stick? Is it really important for you that your kids drive well? Or would you rather them have a self-driving car so you felt safe with them on the road? I would like them to be able to handle a stick, but that's not going to be part of their, you know, life realistically unless they do vintage car racing like daddy does. So, you know, ultimately I'll, I'll err on the side of safety, but there was a thing that when we drove back in the day, you were really engaged because the stick and the clutch, it just engages, you know, no anti-lock brakes. You would hear the wind whistling through the wind wing in the front of the front window, you know? So it is easy to sort of tune out and start texting now. And I do worry about that. Yeah, I do too. I've got a, a 17 year old and that's, that really scares me. I mean, it scares me being a cyclist in LA riding around with people whom I know are texting. Um, so mm -hmm. does it ever, does it ever freak you out that your kids' lives are so different than your own? That's something where I look at my girls and I look at where they're living. They're being raised in New York city and there is just, there's so much happening around them constantly. You know, it's like they see homeless people pooping all the time, but they also see like really, really wealthy people in, you know, in close proximity. And they, they just see things that we never imagined. And then, you know, on, on top of that, they have social media. How important is it for you to convey to your kids how different and how much harder your life was growing up? It's a thankless task. I mean, I've given them a few stories about air conditioning and food stamps and uh, the lack thereof in the case of air conditioning and the necessity for welfare and food stamps and the kind of way I grew up. But it all falls on deaf ears because they're sitting inside of 7,000 square feet <laughs> and they have central air conditioning. Don't go anywhere. More Kennedy saves the world right after this. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List. 
your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Do you ever do you ever try and toughen them up? Is there is there something you do to try and take them out of the bubble? There was an attempt for a while for me to get my son to go in the freezing cold swimming pool during the winter with me, I would say. (laughs) You don't have to do it every day. I do it every time I go out and do comedy for free on a weeknight at some place far away in Los Angeles. The next day, you need to get in the pool. Uh, That that lasted two or three times, and then somehow the uh, ghost was given up. And then you started heating the pool again. Right. And yeah. Then, that, it just it didn't work. It was an attempt. All right. So I I was listening to the animal section of your book and it made me laugh really hard because th- there is so much sanctimony with dog lovers. So I have a French bulldog and I love French bulldogs. Uh, you know, we had an English bulldog before this French bulldog. And I think bulldogs are great. I like their short noses. I think they're super cute. It's like they're puppies forever. Um, but, you know, people who rescue dogs have to advertise that they have rescued dogs. How annoying is that? I find it completely annoying, but also we're living in a time where all roads lead to narcissism. So you have to announce you've rescued a dog when essentially you got a dog for free. Um, I mean, it's, (laughs) you know, it's admirable, it's, but it's not notable. Yeah, but there's so on the west side of Los Angeles, if you try and rescue a chihuahua, I think it's easier adopting a child than it is rescuing a chihuahua because they will have people come to your house and do several home visits to make sure you can take this annoying cast off that probably bit everyone in the family where it was originally adopted. Yeah, sad, weird. Also, it's sort of misplaced, you know, we used to have this for human beings where, you know, I think if there was a plane crash today and they reported that 107 souls have been lost 
And most, sorry, Kennedy, most women were watching the TV and they went 107 people died when a plane went down in Thailand. There were also three dogs on board. Most women would go, oh, <laughs> to, to the dogs rather than the loss of life and humanity. No, it, it's true. And and if there is ever a story about a cop getting shot and a canine getting shot as well, people lose their minds over the canines. It's, uh, you know, it's and it's sad. Like, no one wants to see dogs hurt, but um, all you have to do is go to another country where they have stray dogs, and you'll see, like, I don't know, maybe they do this in France, but, you know, in Greece, you know, they're, they're feral dogs everywhere, and, and they are not looked kindly upon. Like, if a, if a plane full of feral dogs went down in Mykonos, I don't know that too many people would be upset. Well, I would, and that's all that counts. <laughs> now, that's me being narcissistic. Did you get your obsession with narcissism from Dr. Drew? Because Dr. Drew went on an anti-narcissism tear in the late 90s. Yeah, I was there. Um, I had a front row seat to it. Um, it's something that I've been noodling on for a while. It's sort of self-esteem movement for kids and narcissism and how we're kind of destroying society because we're taking every individual child and telling them that they're a king or a queen and no one can tell them what to do and the world, you know, owes them everything. And, and if you just think about that, how could you run a society based on that? Is that As why society is sort of the opposite of that? Is that why California politics are so horrible? Because it's run by a mono party of narcissists. Yes. Yes. I think you've hit the nail on the head. It is a, it is a majority mono party of crazed narcissists who are worried much more about what the L.A. Times is going to write about them than actual effective policy. Yes, or, you know, people who are truly suffering in their state. And, you know, you, you talked about that with uh, with Gavin Newsom and the superfluousness of the things that he was obsessed with. You know, literally, and you had a really funny analogy about a guy in his garage and, you know, you, you laid out all the, the beautiful technical aspects of his perfectly manicured garage with imported parts and, you know, and the person who's seeing the garage for the first time is like, wow, this guy's really got his stuff together. And then, you, you know, that is Gavin Newsom's obsession with uh, climate and hotel rooms for homeless people and things like that, which doesn't really solve the problem. But then you go in the house and there's two raccoons making body congress on the couch and, you know, a month old pot of moldy ragu. Yeah. I'll uh, unpack that, and I hate when people say that, but uh, I will I will unpack that, which is to say uh, the analogy, and I, I had a couple of them, but I am kind of interested in this, and I'm glad you sort of took note of it, which is the analogy was essentially if somebody said, I'd like to show you my house. Let's start with the garage. And then they go, I completely had it redone. Those are stainless steel cabinets with full extension Euro slides on them and the floors done with five coats of epoxy. If you were in that person's house, you could only imagine what the living room and the kitchen and the master bedroom would look like based on being in the garage. And then Obviously, you go to the kitchen and there's cockroaches everywhere and a pot of ragu <laughs> <laughs> that's got moss on it in the stove and you're confused. And so 
the, the analogy Don't forget is, the two raccoons humping on the couch. Right. We have people living on the streets, abject poverty, drug drug use, you know, people slamming fentanyl, you know, yards away from a schoolyard. We have wildfires. We have an infrastructure that doesn't work. We have rolling blackouts and brownouts and we're short on water and everything else. And what Gavin Newsom will do is he'll go, I want to introduce a bill that says all commercial trucks, commercial trucks must all be electric. The fleet must all be electric by 2030. And you're thinking, well, if you were talking about a land, let's just say you're going to go visit somewhere and you go, what are they working on? And you'd go, well, they're working on making trucks all electric by 2030. They're working on a bill for transgender rights. They're also working on a bill for uh, climate and eco-friendly, whatever. You'd think that was, you wouldn't think you would show up at that town and trip over mounds of homeless people and feces in the street, would you? No, no, cops getting the plague. That, 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 yes, that's what, that's, I, I said, it's it's like the other analogy I had with uh, Newsom on that. It's like, it's like if I said, how's your son? And you go, oh, he, Brandon, he's doing well. He's learned Mandarin. But he's not really mastered the Greek alphabet just yet. And we walked in and he was just shooting up heroin. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, well, you got bigger problems yeah, than exactly. Mandarin. Honey. <laughs> oh, it's so great. So, um, you know, you've, you've written books, you've got successful podcasts, you've, you've got a very rich and full life. I know you talk about politics a lot and, you know, you, you take things apart in a very, very unique way. And that's why people have gravitated toward you for decades. Um, do you ever, and I know you think about politics the way you think about Landau roofs. Do you ever want to get into politics? No, I, I don't. But on the other hand, I, I do think about it, not from a political standpoint, just a sort of super pragmatic standpoint, like, you know, we have freeway signs all over Los Angeles, big electric freeway signs. And they always just say, click it or ticket, <laughs> which is telling people to put their seatbelt on in 2022 when there's a chime going off on your dashboard, right? There's a light, a chime going off or slow for the cone zone. And I go, there's so much more we could put on those signs that would affect uh, Los Angelinos. And and so I go like, if I was in charge, I'd take those signs and I'd let people know you could turn right on a red. Half the people in this city don't know you could turn right on a red stop and then just turn. What are we doing? And so I have those kind of thoughts. And so I would love to get in control just to fix a bunch of stuff. And I know that's what politicians claim to do, but I don't want to be a politician. Yes, that's the problem is they're narcissists who constantly want to be reelected. So they want to be liked. So they don't do anything that fixes the imbalances that we have in society because there there's so much that is disconnected. And part of that disconnection in, you know, in my view is bureaucracy. Government has gotten too big and therefore no one ever has to take yes. responsibility because you can just hide behind another layer of the bureaucracy, you, there's never accountability, certainly not for individuals, not even for the president. And, and I wish more people 
would run for office not caring if they ever got elected again because I think so much more uh, would get done. I hope everybody either reads your book or downloads it because it is, uh, it's tremendous. Everything reminds me of something. Adam, it reminds me of when you and I would box in the mid-90s. That really happened. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I'm so proud of you and your journey and uh, I love uh, keeping up and watching you on Fox. And uh, so anytime, anytime you're in town, let's uh, I'll pull out the punch pads and we'll, we'll go at it. <laughs> that sounds that sounds fantastic. And if I come away with a minor injury, I think that'll be even better. Uh, Adam Carolla, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. Thanks, Kennedy. Appreciate it. This has been Kennedy Saves the World. I'm Kennedy. For more podcasts from my friends at Fox, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Oh, go ahead and leave me a review while you're there. I'd love to hear what you have to say. You've been listening to Kennedy Saves the World on the Fox News Podcast Network. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.